It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman in a former life, five teams, seven years. Those of you that check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL can check out all the helmets or game balls or whatever. I didn't buy those. They actually gave them to me. Actually, I take that back. I did buy the Cowboys helmet. They payroll deducted me $300 to get my own helmet. I mean, would they have even noticed if I just took it after they cut me? Anyway, that's a story for another day. What you should do is you should follow me on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, because I post delicious beers and football insight and awesome press box food. You can also, and you should, follow the star of this show, Joe Dolan. He's the fantasy gangsta. At FG underscore Dolan. He is the master of all he oversees at fantasypoints.com. I'm not aware of a better website to get information than fantasypoints.com. And I have a code for you it's 22 Feast that you can use at fantasypoints.com. Although I saw Joe on social media where you said you're so stressed out. You feel like you might vomit. You, you need to explain. Well, Ross, I mean, first and foremost, it is the NFL season and we're busy, but that's not it. Like, I am, so I'm in a wedding this weekend, okay? It's a fall wedding. You know, people, people, you, I'm in the wedding, okay? I have to be there. It's on Sunday. There's a wedding on Saturday that I'm also going to in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm flying out in the middle of a hurricane. So how does that make you feel, Ross? Uh, I am a shell of a human being right now. An absolute shell of one. But uh, So they were delivering. So I was recording my morning show for YouTube. Today. You can see I'm like breaking out in hives. Like you can literally like see it. Um, they were delivering my new bed my, uh, this morning. So I, uh, best laid plans, right? I schedule people to come and haul away our old bed because we got a new one coming they come to haul away my old bed they're coming later today to haul away the old bed so uh, i'm like oh man we'll make room for the old bed they're gonna haul it away delivery truck gets here this morning with the new bed oh we don't have the legs okay so go get them no we can't do that because we're on a route so they're gonna call you tomorrow to reschedule so now we don't have a bed so, so on this stressful week, uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, no bet. No, so, oh my God, Ross. Oh, 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 all right. All right. Sorry, everybody. I needed to vet. Thank you for giving me the, uh, thank you for giving me the. Yeah. Uh, you're not really coming across as a fantasy gangsta, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I gotta tell you. Ross, and, I, I'm still doing the research. I'm still doing the research here. And I, it I, should be noted that you have bad friends is is my the, the summary there is friend no. getting married saturday and sunday in october well uh, they need, the only they, reason i'm going to the saturday wedding and like because i i was very prepared to tell the saturday friend hey man i i can't do it i can't travel north twice for the wedding it just happens to be the same weekend so i'm like all right i gotta do that right like like i, I can be there popping in oh man ross it's just it's let, let me tell you you're gonna see a very happy 
Joe on next week's Fantasy Peace podcast because this weekend will be the, the hurricane will be out of the here. Uh, I'll be a very happy man. I'll be a very happy man if you start talking fantasy football. All right, let's like do it. You're supposed to on this show. No, that's a funny story, Joe. I'm just messing yeah. with you. But we do have Thursday night football. Dolphins, Bengals. Dolphins, I, I as we record this Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time, this, of course, the show that's so nice. We do it twice. We obviously also do an episode for the Sunday late games and the Monday nighter that we post uh, very early Thursday mornings to not mess up your podcast apps. And you can always watch YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. But as of right now, Joe, do we think Tua's playing? Do we not think he's playing? What do we think that that means for the Dolphins skill guys? I think I think uh, Tua, I'm going to say he's playing until proven otherwise. Um, but Taron Armstead uh, is injured. That's a big question mark for Miami uh, in this game. So let's let's uh, let let let's look at that now. On the defensive side, the Bengals lost DJ Reader. Their nose tackle, who's a very strong uh, run defender, also a good interior pass rusher, could maybe open things up for that run game for Miami. Far be it from me, though, to be able to tell you which of those running backs to play because they've essentially rotated in and out of uh, uh, of the lineup through the first three weeks. Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Mostert was the lead back in, in week two after barely playing in week one. And then what happens? Chase Edmonds scores the two, the two touchdowns in, in week three. So it's a really tough situation to get a hold of here i mean ideally ross miami is uh really one of the they're a two-man fantasy team plus tua hill and waddle and maybe you have to plug one of those running backs into a flex spot and just hope that they're the lead back that week but really it's hill waddle and tua and Tua is obviously a downgrade this week because of the injury so just keep that in mind uh when it comes to uh, the Miami Dolphins. As for the Bengals here, I mean, they're having a couple of guys who are underperforming their expected fantasy points. So expected fantasy points is a stat that uh, our guy Scott Barrett at fantasypoints.com has developed, and we have it all available on the website. And it basically, it it, it takes, it, it it is what it is. It takes league averages from what does, what does a target on the 37-yard line typically produce from a fantasy point perspective and two guys who are vastly underperforming their expected fantasy points right now on the Bengals are Jamar Chase but especially Joe Mixon Joe Mixon is the number one running back in expected fantasy points he is the number 17 running back in actual fantasy points so there is some positive regression coming. Now, I think a large part of this is because the offense in general has underperformed. So um, you have to take that into account. By the way, Joe Mixon, I know he had the ankle injury in last week's game. Um, he practiced in full on Tuesday. So he is almost certainly going to be able to go uh, on Thursday night. I think he is in a bounce back spot. Uh, Miami's a tough matchup, but he's a guy I think is going to bounce back. And I think he's going to become a really strong RB1. So uh, another injury to watch for the Bengals, which might increase the target share of Chase, T. Higgins, and and Tyler Boyd is tight end Hunter Henry picked up a a, a groin injury. Or excuse me, uh, the Hayden Hurst, one of the other double H. Um, he picked up a groin injury. Um, so something, um, something to watch there for the Bengals. What about 
the 9.30 game across the pond. Jameis Winston did not practice yes. today, but he is expected to practice tomorrow. Dennis Allen does not sound concerned. Yeah, so obviously that's the big question because you would think this offense changes drastically just based on the styles of Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston if Andy Dalton cannot play. So how about this? Here, I'm going to throw a stat out to you. Um, first and foremost, uh, Alvin Kamara, another expected fantasy points, positive regression candidate, playing through the rib injury. He's probably still playing through pain. I'm not panicking yet on him. Jameis Winston in the second half, the Saints have played from behind two straight second halves. Man, that guy out there throwing YOLO balls. Chris Olave has 531 air yards per fantasy points data. So what air yards is, is how far down the field a player has been targeted in total um, on his on his on all of his targets. That is 155 yards more than the next closest wide receiver, Cortland Sutton. That is a staggering number through three games. So Alave, what is that stat again? It's it, so he has 531 air yards uh, on his targets, like basically the totality of how far down the field he's been targeted on his throws. That is a hundred and fifty-five more yards than the second place wide receiver, who is Cortland Sutton. That is staggering. Um, it, like literally, I mean, now of course one deep ball can skew that, but that's all Olave's getting. He gets nine catches for 147 receiving yards on 13 targets in week two. So not only is Olave getting these massive targets down the field, but he's also getting a lot of targets. Um, he's had 33 and 34% target shares over the last two weeks. Michael Thomas did not practice today. Um, uh, so he's dealing with a toe injury. Jarvis Landry's dealing with a foot injury. Now, if Andy Dalton were to be the quarterback for the, the Saints, I think that drastically changes Olave's out, outlook because he's not as aggressive as Jameis. But Chris Olave is a big-time boom wide receiver three right now. All he need, He's getting so many of these deep balls. All he needs really is to connect on one, and he's going to make your week for you. And he's been doing a little bit more than that right now. What about the Vikings? Uh, the Vikings are... Uh, I thought it was going to be the squeaky wheel game for Justin Jefferson last week. He has disappointed so far. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, I had people in our subscriber Discord who are like, if Justin Jefferson does anything, I win my matchup. But it's not. But you can't knock yourself for playing Justin Jefferson. You know, like, look what he did in week one. Uh, he'll be fine. Um, KJ Osborne, I still wonder if this is a little bit of fool's gold. Um, uh, but... The concern I have for Jefferson this week, not like you're benching him, maybe it's a DFS concern, is uh, of the potential shadow of Marshawn Lattimore, um, who obviously has done very good job in the past on receivers like Mike Evans. Um, I, the Vikings, it, you play Jefferson, you play Thielen. The key thing here is to watch out for the Dalvin Cook situation. And he has a, yet another shoulder injury. Um, last time he did it was uh, in November of last year. He missed one game came back with the harness and ran for over 200 yards and two touchdowns in, in his next performance. He says he's going to play, could be limited. Um, I would downgrade him, but I'm not sure I'm comfortable playing Alexander Madison if Cook plays in this game. If not, then absolutely you fire up Alexander Madison, but that is a situation we've got to monitor. It might come down until game time, which probably does not uh, sound like music to the ears of people on the West Coast who might have to get up at like four in the morning to see if Dalvin Cook is active for this London game. Ooh, that's a that's a good that's a good point, Joe. Cleveland in Atlanta. 
I think both these offenses producing more fantasy points than people thought coming into the year, Joe. Yeah, my little stat about uh, Cleveland. And by the way, that wasn't actually my stat. That was Graham Barfield's stat. And I have to make sure Graham Barfield knows that I love him and make for uh, for him making me sound good quite often on this program. But um, the stat the kind of blew up there, Ross, on Twitter about Cleveland's offense. And um, Nick Chubb, by the way, has finished as a top 18 running back in every week this, this year, which is great. Amari Cooper, back-to-back 100-yard and a touchdown games. And then the big one, I think, for Cleveland um, was David Njoku having a huge game. Uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski said he did a great job blocking in the first two games. You know, they get Jack Conklin back, and all of a sudden Njoku's out there, and he is, and he produced like the guy they paid. Uh, um, the surprising contract, they, uh, of course, he was on the franchise tag. Man, like David Njoku's a borderline tight end one right now. Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball. Really enjoyed seeing that. By the way, uh, I, I I was remiss. I uh, should have said that this game is Atlanta catching one one and a half points at home. Cleveland, uh, it's a over under of forty nine and a half. So you look at this game and you're like, Ugh, Cleveland and Atlanta. This is the highest total game on the board outside of Buffalo and Baltimore, which we will obviously get to. But you're right. These two offenses, way better than most people anticipate. They have been. There's no question. Um, What do you like in particular with these teams in this game? Yeah, so um, I think Cleveland's a pretty easy team. You play Chubb. You probably play Hunt, even though Chubb's been um, more involved recently. And you play Amari Cooper. And David Njoku is certainly somebody to, to uh, to mix in. I blew people's minds with the stat on Cleveland last week. Let's uh, let's do it with Atlanta. The Falcons are averaging 5.8 yards gained per play on early downs. That is fourth best in the NFL, behind only the Ravens, Packers, and the Eagles. 44% of the Falcons' drives, that was the stat I said about Cleveland last week, have ended in a score. That's seventh best in the NFL. The Falcons have punted. On just 19% of their possessions, that's uh, behind only the Bills at 13%. So the Falcons are punting the second least in the NFL. And Atlanta's offensive line has allowed Marcus Mariota to be pressured on just 20% of his dropbacks per fantasy points data. Third lowest rate in the entire NFL. This might be a legitimately good offense right now. I'm not sure how much it's going to continue, but it might be a legitimately good offense right now. And also... Um, Arthur Smith, old Artie Smith. Remember, uh, he's getting criticized because uh, Kyle Pitts wasn't getting the uh, the football. Oh, I don't play fantasy football. You know, we're trying to win football games. Well, they were zero and two with Kyle Pitts not having a role, very much of a role in the first two games. They're now one and two, but Kyle Pitts was seventh among all players in team uh, expected fantasy points percentage. He was third in target share in the league. 12th in air yardage share in the league in week three, and 15th in yardage market share. Uh, So now he's second all of a sudden among all tight ends in target share. The problem is the Falcons are not throwing the ball a lot, which then speaks to how well Cordero Patterson has been playing. He's got to be in your lineup. He's a borderline RB1. If you want to sell Cordero Patterson high, I'm okay with doing that. But just keep in mind right now, if you've got him, you roll with him if you're not looking to trade him. The Brownies? The Browns, I, I like they're. It's Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Amari Cooper, 
Um, those guys are in your lineup. David Njoku, borderline tight end one right now after the increased usage in a game in which the Browns got Jack Conklin back. Although, um, uh, Jadrick Wills is going, uh, he suffered an injury last week. I don't know if he's going to play. Buffalo at Baltimore, Joe. So here is a, a game right now. We're, we're looking at Buffalo on the highway laying three. Um, the total in this game now is 51 and a half, and I would wonder if that's going to continue to fall because th- there could be some residuals of Hurricane Ian in Baltimore on Sunday. So keep that in mind. Um, so that total could well be falling. Buffalo just had one of those weird games. They ran 90 plays to Miami's 39 and didn't win the football game. Um, uh, and here's the surprise. By the way, Stefan Diggs, who had a monster game in Miami, said he's never been more tired after a football game. That's what that weather in Miami did to Buffalo. Guys are cramping up all over the field. But here's a really good sign. Despite coming into the game questionable with an ankle injury, Gabriel Davis ran a route on a team-high 89% of Josh Allen's dropbacks. So Gabriel Davis was a full-time player. I know he had a touchdown go through his hands. I get that. Um, but attached to Josh Allen with this role, he's going to have a massive season. So obviously Allen Diggs are in your lineup. Dawson Knox, fringy tight end one. Gabriel Davis is a really strong wide receiver three. Baltimore's been having some issues in the secondary. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, he's probably a wide receiver five on your bench, but hey, maybe you have some injuries. And Devin Singletary, on, uh, while this train is rolling, I'm still going to be rolling with Devin Singletary. He caught nine passes in that game against Miami. So um, Devin Singletary, a guy who uh, probably not the sexiest name for fantasy, but attached to this Baltimore uh, to the to this Buffalo offense, you got uh, you got to start him right now. Yeah, I think there's no question about it. Um, anything else in this game of note? Yeah, Lamar Jackson's good. Um, he's probably the MVP right now. Um, you know to start Lamar Jackson. They finally got some life in the run game with Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins. I didn't see enough from either of those guys to recommend them as starts right now. They're obviously getting J.K. Dobbins' feet under him. And you know you're starting Mark Andrews. Now, here is the one thing. I loved Rashad Bateman this year. Adored him. First couple of weeks – Two long touchdowns, okay? The problem with long touchdowns is they are not really a sustainable aspect, and he's not getting a ton of targets. He has run a route on just 73% of the Ravens' pass plays, which is 62nd most among wide receivers. That has got to change, and it has got to change quick. I don't know what they're doing uh, with Rashad Bateman, but right now he's he's not a part-time player, but he's not exactly a full-time player. That's a big concern because he is living off of big plays and eventually that's going to burn you. And it kind of did this past week because he didn't get in the end zone. Washington is in Dallas, Joe. Um, uh, I don't know if you're a praying man, Ross. Are you? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Say a couple prayers for Carson Wentz. Because Micah Parsons and, uh, <laughs> and Demarcus Lawrence are coming for him. Um, Wentz was uh, Wentz was abominable against the Eagles, and uh, I turn like off air on Siri. I do the Sirius XM game day show on Sundays, and um, the the first time that Washington had the football, we were off air. We were in a break, and I saw Wentz take two sacks, and I said to Paul Kelly, "This game's over. It's over." Like Wentz was Wentz was it, the moment was 
he was not ready for the moment. His offensive line, to be fair, was not ready. But not when a guy gets sacked nine times, you well know, Ross, not all of those are on the offensive line, okay? No, um, I thought at least four were on Wentz. Yeah, so, um, like, it, it's going to happen again against Dallas. This, this pass rush is going to get to him. Washington cannot run the football. Everything that they have done, everything they've done really in the first three games has been second half. You know, Wentz having to try to rally them. They were successful against Jacksonville uh, two weeks ago against Detroit. They they made it close, but it did, didn't get there. And then against Philly, that game was never in doubt in the second half. And everything that they produced was just Wentz chucking the ball down the field. Curtis Samuel has led Washington in targets in all three games. He is officially a thing. And with this pass rush from Dallas, I think those short targets are going to be big. Uh, for Curtis Samuel in this game. But this is a horrifying spot for Washington's offense uh, coming off of another horrifying spot for Washington's offense. I, uh, I, I'm i not feeling very optimistic about Carson Wentz this week. Dallas offensively with Cooper Rush, they're getting Tony Pollard involved? Yeah, well, Pollard, though, didn't run a route on a high percentage of, of Rush's dropbacks. I just don't understand it. Um, uh, look, here... Pollard's early down carries, by the way, are gaining 5.9 yards per carry to Ezekiel Elliott's 4.0 yards per carry. Um, And Zeke and Pollard have split red zone snaps. Um, And that's bad news for Zeke Elliott. Um, Now, Tony Pollard should be running more routes than he is. But right now, both of these guys, to me, are like RB3s. Pollard's kind of an upside RB3. I think Zeke's kind of a floor guy, but you really hope he gets in the end zone. You're kind of right. I mean, this is playing out like a lot of people thought it would so far this year. Um, CeeDee Lamb, boy, did he have one of the most horrifying drops you'll ever see. And then, of oh. course, he's, it was, I mean, Ross, at top five all-time bad drop. I mean, that yeah, and then was, he had a great catch. Then he had a great catch for the touchdown. The good news is Cooper Rush, the moment has not been too big for him, which is really good news because it looks like it's almost certain he's going to play this week. Um, And I think the report was Dak Prescott's angling for week five, but they're not sure about that. I almost wonder if Cooper Rush winning those two games, at least the Cincinnati game being an upset, um, did this buy Dallas a little more time with Michael Gallup and Dak Prescott to get them back from their injuries. I do expect Gallup to play this week. Though, I'm not sure if Gallup's going to overtake Noah Brown, at least when Cooper Rush is out there throwing the ball to his uh, practice squad buddy, um, his uh, his scout team buddy, Noah Brown, who's looked pretty good so far. But Gallup is a bench stash if he's out there in your leagues. But Cooper Rush, given this Cowboy offense, more life than anybody could have anticipated. I, was, I didn't want to panic after CeeDee Lamb after week one. I was... I was hurt. I was really close to it, but these last two weeks here with Cooper Rush have helped me calm my breath a little bit. I'm back in on CD Lamb all the way. Next up, how about Seattle in Detroit? Yeah, we've got Seattle here catching four and a half. Detroit favored by four and a half. Uh, the total in this game, I mean, Detroit's been a dead nuts over team. This is a 49 and a half point total. So a very high total. Uh, again, a game where you're like, ooh, this game. But the total is high, which means it's a it's a, a scoring environment. Um, this is uh, for Detroit. 
the spot where, um, if you're a fantasy player, I think you probably know this already. Do not expect to have DeAndre Swift for the next three weeks. They have he's got the ankle injury, he's got the shoulder injury. They have two games coming up, obviously this week and next, and then the week six bye. So I wouldn't expect to have DeAndre Swift until week seven. Jamal Williams, a viable start. Kutztown University's own. Uh, Craig Reynolds, a deep, deep start if you are dying at at running back. Um, and also keep an eye on the status of Amon Ross, St. Brown, who has an ankle injury. Look, if St. Brown plays, you, you, you start, okay? Like, obviously. But if he doesn't, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds going to get some more targets – Maybe more of a game where you're dabbling because of the total in DFS uh, as opposed to trying to pick through which of these receivers to start uh, in your season-long league if Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't play in this game. Um, But Jamal Williams obviously is on the strong RB2 radar here against Seattle, a defense that, to me, doesn't offer much resistance. Seattle offensively, Joe? So so here is the big problem with Seattle's offense. Uh, um, uh, First and foremost... DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're wide receiver threes. Uh, I know this offense is hard to watch sometimes, but Geno peppers these guys with targets. Um, you just hope he throws the ball more. Uh, DK Metcalf in six career games with Geno Smith has never been below a 20% target share. In six career games with Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett has never been below a 15% target share, and he's had as high as a 59% target share. So you kind of just have to hope that Geno Smith drop back, drops back to throw. And fortunately, the over-under in this game would suggest, and the and the uh, spread, which, which has Seattle underdog, would suggest he will be throwing in this game. Um, the backfield is going to be a disaster. And it's way worse than I ever imagined. Travis Homer got hurt last week, and I never, never victory lapsed somebody getting hurt. But on air, I'm like, man... This means that they're going to have to roll with Rashad Penny and and Kenneth Walker. I'm interested to see, I said to my co-host, man, who's going to get that third down work? Turns out it was neither. They gave it to DJ Dallas instead. So there was a four-man running back rotation in Seattle. To me, none of these guys are startable until further notice. If it's anybody, it's Penny, and you hope he busts off a long touchdown, which he has not done so far yet this year. Let's move on to the Chargers, the banged-up Chargers who might be getting back, which is good for them, Keenan Allen, against the Houston Texans. Uh, The Chargers, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you lose your second-best offensive player, Rashawn Slater, and your best defensive player, Joey Bosa, for extended periods, Slater for the season – in the same game, you already don't have Keenan Allen. J.C. Jackson's already hurt on the defensive side. I just feel bad for the Chargers, man. Like, Rashawn Slater is like this young star. Uh, Ross, I, I already told you, we did the offensive line tiers, and we were talking about how close he was to being the best tackle in football. The guy you did call the best tackle in football is also hurt, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. Um, but it, I just feel bad for him, and now the markets are – understandably so collapsing on the chargers this this line was seven and a half it's now five they're giving the over under uh 46 and a half down to 44 um so the holes have not been there for austin eckler uh he has just 82 rushing yards and he's getting a lot of work done as a receiver um keenan allen being back makes him a must start i still think mike williams is a must start i'd like to see what josh palmer's role is um by the way they also lost jalen guyton 
the wide receiver. So he's out. Uh, so just a disaster so far here uh, for the Chargers. Um, but Justin Herbert is going to get points out of this offense. He'll get points out of this offense eventually. The, the concern I have is he's a guy who's already playing hurt, and now he doesn't have his star left tackle. Things are rough for the for the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Houston's not a real good fantasy team, and our boy Damian Pierce fumbled twice, Joe. He fumbled twice, but he had a great role, and he didn't lose either fumble, which is good. But you wonder if Rex Burkhead's snaps are going to go up this week, especially with Houston playing from behind. That would be my big concern in this game. Uh, and really, this team right now, it's 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 Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks are bust. I mean, the, and, and Cooks' role has gone down in three straight weeks. His targets, catches, and yardage have all decreased from week one uh, to week three, which is a concern. I didn't think Davis Mills was particularly sharp in that game against Chicago. Do you think it's fair to say, Joe, that uh, Derrick Henry, you know, paid off a little bit for people on Sunday? Yeah, he did. And, like, I I don't want to be fooled, by the way, uh, here. Uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis we're talking now, by the way. Uh, Yeah, by the way, Titans-Colts, obviously. Yeah, uh, Colts laying three at home. Uh, 42 and a half the total. Uh, like, uh, we've had the rug pulled out from under us multiple times already with Derrick Henry, but second best um, catch total of his career with five. Um, his third best yardage total of his career receiving with uh, with 58. Uh, he also had 20 carries. Now, of course, they were playing from ahead. I still think Derrick Henry is going to be a game script dependent running back on what I think is going to be a mediocre at best football team. But he was involved as a receiver early against the Raiders, and that's an, at least an encouraging sign. They need to find a way to get the ball in his hands if they're going to be a team playing from behind. I, I'm not free. I'm not just not saying that that it's going to be a weekly thing here, but this really does raise Henry's profile if he could be expected to be targeted three to four times a game as opposed to just one or two times a game. It does raise his profile. Um, one other note for Tennessee, who, by the way, is a horrific fantasy team. Um, Traylon Burks is now a full-time player. After playing just uh, – after running routes on just 37% of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks in week one, it went up to 61% in week two and is now 96%. Traylon Burks is a full-time player in that offense. Yeah, well, he was, he's been pretty productive with the opportunities he's gotten. What about the Colts? They won the game, Joe. Oh, They're still not – Still not really doing much offensively. They averaged under four yards per play. You don't see many NFL teams win when averaging under four yards per play, and you certainly don't see many NFL teams beating the Kansas City Chiefs when averaging under four yards per play. Kind of a freaky, freaky kind of game. The Colts, the Colts to me, um, uh, while I'm keeping an eye on Alec Pierce, they're a two-man fantasy show for me. Jonathan Taylor... Well, let me let me rephrase. They're, they're a two-and-a-half-man fantasy show for me. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are hammers. Um, I'd really like to see Taylor get in the end zone sometime soon. That would be nice. Um, but uh, Naeem Hines in a PPR league is a viable flex with the targets he's getting. He's the only other receiver on this team I trust outside of Michael Pittman. And this tight end situation is abominable. Um, I love Jelani Woods' talent. He scored two touchdowns in that game. But if you pick up Woods, you're like, oh, he's going to get touchdowns. You know damn well Mo Ali cox is scoring this week. And then next week you're going to pick up Mo Ali cox Oh, he's getting the targets in the red zone. And then Kylan Granson's going to score the next week. So it's a three-man tight end rotation on a bad football team, an offensive line that constantly has Matt Ryan under siege. I'm not really buying the Colts based off of 
what I'll flat out call a fluky victory. Speaking of fluky, not sure I thought it'd be the two and one Bears against the two and one Giants, where one of those teams is going to have three wins after four games. Uh, fluky is about right uh, for the Bears. Uh, Ross, uh, I got to tell you, um, the company that Justin Fields is in this year is horrifying. Justin Fields has 23 completions and has taken 11 sacks through three games. The last time a quarterback started a season with fewer than 25 completions and 10 or more sacks in three games was David Carr in 2005 at the end of his uh, inglorious tenure. The last quarterback to do it then, before then, was Tim Couch with the expansion Browns in 1999. Meanwhile, Justin Fields and the Bears have gone three straight games without completing 10 passes. The first quarterback to do that since 2011 and the Tim Tebow Broncos. So Justin Fields is up there with David Carr, Tim Couch, and Tim Tebow. We don't see quarterbacks come back from this. And, by the way, the team doesn't trust him to throw as he threw only 11 passes when they were down by three scores against the Green Bay Packers. Darnell Mooney is droppable. You should have already dropped Cole Komet. Um, The only player, the only player who I can play from Chicago this week is Khalil Herbert, the running back. The run game's been really good. Their pass game is historically bad. It is horrendous. Giants? Well, I feel bad for Daniel Jones. I feel bad for Brian Dable because they're not going to have, like – it's literally going to be Richie James, David Sills, and they have to throw Kenny Galladay out there. They have no choice. Sterling Shepard's out for the year. It doesn't look like Wandale Robinson or Kadarius Tony are going to play this week. If you're dying for a receiver, you can play Richie James. Um, Daniel Bellinger, the tight end, is somebody, if you're hurting at tight end, maybe pick him up and, and see what he does this week because I think they're going to need him. They need somebody to catch passes out there. Uh, but Saquon Barkley is back, and that that's a good sign. Saquon Barkley has gained 15 or more yards on 11.3% of his carries. That's the fourth highest rate in the league behind Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Swift, and Aaron Jones. Saquon looks like Saquon for the first time in a couple of years, and that's the, all's right with the world when Saquon looks like Saquon. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Giants fans. What about one of the games of the day, maybe the yeah. game of the day, the Doug Peterson Bowl, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Eagles. Yeah, so uh, Eagles are laying six and a half in this game. 47 and a half is the total. Again, watch the weather. This one could be rainy with uh, the residuals uh, from Hurricane Ian. Uh, hopefully Dolan's able to get to Philadelphia for the weddings uh, because of, of Hurricane Ian. Um, the Eagles... The th- so Ross, you know, like Eagles fans can never be like fully happy. The big, the big thing is, oh, they can't score in the second half. Okay, Ross, they could still be playing that game against Washington, and Washington wouldn't have come back even if the Eagles didn't score in the second half. Okay, they they did not need to. Jalen Hurts has thrown for over two hundred fifty yards in each of the past two first halves. How many wide receiver duos in the NFL are better than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Two or three, Um, maybe? I don't know. 
Waddle and, and Hill, Higgins and Chase. I struggle to come up with one, another one that has two guys as good as Brown and Smith. Those two guys are weekly starters. Jalen Hurts is obviously an MVP candidate right now. Dallas Goddard is a yak monster. He might be second to only George Kittle in that at the tight end position. Miles Sanders has been the Eagles' lead back. He disappointed um, against uh, uh, against the Commanders, but in a rain, potentially rainy game, I wonder if Miles Sanders' legs will be a big focus for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh, interesting. All right, what about the Jags? So the Jags, Trevor Lawrence is playing really well. Doug Peterson's doing a great job. Um, here is the good news. First and foremost, the Eagles have probably the best outside corner duo in the NFL. But don't worry, because they also have one of the best slot corners in the NFL too. But if I was looking to exploit an Eagles pass defender, it would, by by process of elimination, it would probably be Avante Maddox, the slot corner. Christian Kirk runs 81% of his routes from the slot. So Christian Kirk is going to be a startable guy. Um, the question I have now, what does the Jaguars' running back rotation look like if they're playing from behind? If. Now, they're seven, six-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game, but this has been a better football team than expected. James Robinson has been their clear lead back. I actually think uh, Travis Etienne has looked really good. Per Fantasy Points data, uh, he is seventh in the NFL in missed tackles forced per carry and is ninth best in yards per route run for running backs. So Etienne in that kind of ancillary role, has been really good. I, I I do hate, I do hate analysis that says, well, if you take these big plays away, then the guy hasn't done anything. I hate that analysis. But it is worth pointing out, I'm just saying, that James Robinson has two long runs in the last two weeks, and he was untouched on both of them. Like, literally untouched. So, great blocking, bad defense, whatever the case. I do think we'll see a little more Travis Etienne in this game. Um, I think he's startable as a flex, but James Robinson right now is a weekly running back too. Last but not least, Joe. It's a it's a big slate here. Yeah. Jets, Steelers, yikes. Well, is this the Zach Wilson game? Is this the game where Zach Wilson comes back? And then to me, this becomes an information gathering game for the Jets. Joe Flacco has thrown over 150 passes in three weeks. Ross, I cannot come close to imagining the Jets won Zach Wilson dropping back 50 times. I, I can't. I, like, I can't. And then the question I have is, how much of like Tyler Conklin's production, how much of Brees Hall's production, how much of Michael Carter's production is simply because the Jets have been running so many pass plays? And if they slow the pace down, maybe play in a closer game without a wild game script, what does that offense look like, by the way, with a new quarterback? So if Zach Wilson plays in this game, I got to be honest, I'm not really comfortable starting any Jet. I, I know you might have to throw Brees Hall into a flex. I get that. I You don't want to bench Garrett Wilson with how he's looked, though he picked up the rib injury uh, in that game. Conklin's been the tight end three this year. So you want to look at this and say, I can't sit any of these guys, but I do anticipate that that offense could look drastically different this week. I think it's an information-gathering game for me, uh, for the Jets' offense, presuming Zach Wilson is the quarterback. Steelers? Uh, terrible offense. Um, Trubisky, 
he doesn't throw across the middle. And anytime there's pressure, he's running around out there. Don't worry, Ross. Mitchell Trubisky has earned this starting job because not only are the Steelers dead last in yards gained per drive, but they've also punted on the the highest major the highest percentage of their possessions in the NFL. So Mitchell Trubisky has earned this job. Um, the the only thing is, uh, if this offense is worse with Kenny Pickett, we're we might be talking Bears level bad passing game. It's not anywhere close to that right now. I have to imagine Kenny Pickett will be better uh, when he does get the job, but it doesn't look like it's going to be this week. And it's just handcuffing everybody. It's handcuffing Deontay Johnson, who at least has a big role. Pat Fryermuth didn't catch a pass until the end of that game on the last drive. Um, George Pickens made the spectacular catch, but we can't trust uh, him to get consistent targets with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Najee Harris looks like a plotter behind a bad offensive line. Jalen Warren's just a change up. Um, you know, like you, you still have to start Najee and you still have to start Deontay because of their roles. But this offense is just, it's painful to watch right now. He's Joe Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker. We are the Fantasy Feast. We help you. Listen, if you listen to Joe, it helps season long DFS, even your prop bets. And it's the show that's so nice. We do it twice, a little over 40 minutes, episode one, because there's so many early games with the London game. Now we'll do the late games, the Sunday nighter, the Monday nighter, and episode two, which will be for you bright and early Thursday morning. I'm stuffed, but it's time for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.